Since COVID-19 hit, my life, like many, has been confined to my home. With work hours cut to nothing and outdoor excursions limited to neighborhood walks and a weekly field trip to the grocery store, regular life has never looked more different. But I couldn't help but wonder what the new normal looks like for my friends living in other corners of the world, so I gave them a call. I'm Tahara Faruzin. You're listening to What's It Like? I met Alex in Calgary, where she co-hosted a photography club. I'd meet with her and a large group of experts and amateurs like myself, and we were around different neighborhoods snapping photos, talking, laughing, and ending the night with a beer or two. Alex is originally from Romania, but lived in Calgary for about 20 years before deciding to leave for New Zealand. Uh, So I moved about a year and a half ago, over that now, Mm, came here to stop. Yeah, just to travel. I'm always living in the future, it's funny. Uh, no, it's good, it's sunny. It's future sunny, yeah, yeah. Nice clear skies, you know. And New Zealand's future is looking bright. The country was able to contain their cases of COVID-19 relatively quickly. At the time of this recording, New Zealand confirmed just over 1,500 cases of COVID-19 and 21 deaths. It's just a pretty relaxed place to be, you know, nothing's moving too quickly. You know, there's a saying island time. You definitely feel island time in New Zealand, even though it's a really big island. When did things start to become serious? So beginning of April, I would say it's been, yeah, it's been a good solid month and over a month and a half now. Um, Yeah, beginning of April, we hit about 100 cases nationwide, and then that's when they decided to just fully shut down the country. Um, Well, the restriction was you couldn't drive anywhere outside of your area, your community, unless you had an essential job, like a nurse or doctor or whatever. um, You had to basically carry around with your work badge or uh, some sort of paperwork from your job that, that you can present to cops if needed. Like, there would be check stops. Honestly, I didn't even want to experience check stops, so I didn't go anywhere. So I'm like, what's the point? If I've got nothing to show for it, I'm going to get a giant fine. So why should I just go in and see if this is really as enforced as they say it is? But according to a couple of my flatmates, um, they were essential workers, and they did say that there was quite a bit of police presence on the streets. First few days, I would say people were flooding to the grocery stores as much as possible because there was that whole toilet paper thing that was universal. Everybody, I think everybody had that. It's just like copycat syndrome. I don't know why. And then a flower shortage for a while. Apparently, the stores ran out of, um, or the, the manufacturers ran out of the packaging for the flower, like the printed packaging that they have to put the flower into, right? They didn't run out of flour itself, but they couldn't package the flour anymore because the printer shop, the print shops were closed. <laughs> like the bag shops were closed. So it's like, I guess, wherever they get it from. So that was funny for a while. Um, so eventually that died down, that whole frenzy, about a week in. You know why? Because people realized, wait a second, we could still get our groceries every day if we want to. We can go to the store literally every day. It's not like we're going to run out of food. 
so that that died down pretty quick and then it was just normal lining up to go to the store so they didn't say you know suggest only go once a week or anything like that nah nah all they said was anybody over the age of 60 if they could stay at home so like preferably they'd prefer if somebody else would buy the food for them or whatever and so what were your feelings then when everything was just abruptly locked down (laughs) apocalyptic (laughs) for a while there just felt weird because you'd see the crazies come out to play a little bit and that was very entertaining (laughs) like uh, one day I was just like I think coming home from groceries or doing a jog I can't remember Uh, one of the two because that's all you did Um, and then yeah one guy was like walking in the middle of the road with his guitar and the other one had like a radio strapped around his neck and just like blasting the daily the day's news because there was daily updates from the government I don't know why he was doing that. And then recently, about two weeks ago, the, uh, actually about yeah, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, sorry, they went to level three, which means um, there's a little bit more uh, freedom, less, a little bit less restriction, but restaurants were still not open at that point, beginning of May. And then a week in or so, they started slowly opening things to slow capacity and things like that. And now, now it's yesterday, funny thing, last night was the first night that clubs and bars were open. So I live in the area that's pretty, pretty busy during the night, like it's got some good nightlife. Oh my God, it was scary busy. Yeah, so I'm a little concerned. I'm like, uh oh, what's gonna happen in two weeks? Like bars were kind of open before, but only the ones that were not focusing mainly on alcohol that were serving like a big part of their service was food. They were open and with small capacity. But now it's like any bar and any club and anything you can imagine is open. Of course, reduced capacity, but it was like just everybody. There's lineups everywhere to get in. It felt like high school again. Weird. <laughs> you know? No, no, no. I just want walking down the street to see what was going on. What's all the commotion about? Stay in your houses, people. Come on. Like, honestly, I'm one of those people that are like, you know what? We made it through a month of staying in the neighborhoods and taking up jogging, you know, working from home. And life's been fine, right? Not the end of the world. And then, you know, then things opened up and people could go surfing and they can go to the beach and they can go camping. It's New Zealand. That's what you do. That's the joy of it, right? Now, then restaurants open up and you can like order stuff or Uber Eats, whatever. So I'm like, that's basically my life complete. There it is. I don't need to. I guess I'm not that kind of person that needs to go party every night, you know? So I'm like, come on, people. You could, you could hold on a little longer, maybe, because the world is still experiencing so much of this this atrocity right like it really still is really um i guess prevalent in the states right and in europe and all that so it's not like it's over so was there ever a point where you thought maybe i should just come back to canada nah ride it out in new zealand um i mean there's i think a few reasons for that one of the main ones where i still was employed which is Thankfully, I, I was lucky enough to still be employed, and I was able to work from home, which is like a 
I guess, a twofold win, right? Because you could, you could have a job where you, that's not even possible. So um, having that sort of job security here kept me here for sure. Whereas if I go back home, you know, I know that I can't be employed during that time. It's very difficult what was going on in Canada at the time, right? So, uh, yeah, that was just a smart thing to do and stay here. And also, you know, we're really, really isolated. We are in the middle of nowhere. Closest landmass is like a three-hour flight, which is pretty far away if you think about it, uh, that being Australia. So easy to shut down the airports, easy to contain everything on this little island, basically. And um, so the chances of COVID being really a big, huge issue was pretty small anyway. So, mm, yeah. What do you think has contributed to uh, New Zealand's success when it comes to this? I think um, population size being one, isolation another, obviously. Um, and they just the government was really good. Like from the very beginning, they enforced things pretty well. And uh, they did really good job. Like they ramped up testing a lot within the first like those first two weeks of lockdown. Testing just like through the roof. You know, we had one of the highest testing rates in the world for a small like per capita. So I think that helped. They actually uh, managed to go out to smaller communities that normally wouldn't have access to some of that like some of those testing clinics because there are many 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 like remote communities up north. Um, in New Zealand that really honestly those people don't want to drive four hours to get to Auckland they probably would rather avoid it 100% you know so if they were isolated yeah the chances of them getting COVID are quite small in the first place but they did provide the service where look we have this mobile testing center look if you feel like you have any symptoms you can still get tested even if you're in the boonies like eight hours away from Auckland you know yeah so I think everybody felt like they were in it together. We all wanted to return to the beach and to camping and to skiing and whatever as soon as possible. Um, so that meant just just sticking out whatever you had to do. And, and, and neighbors were quite... Uh, I was surprised by this because New Zealanders are typically pretty relaxed, pretty chill about things. But this time, oh man, um, neighbors were just on it. You know, anybody saw anything that was even remotely out of quarantine rules, you would just dob them in. You just report them. And one time, I think we crashed the police website. It was how many reports came through on the weekend. It'd be like the littlest things. We'd see like a new car, you know, pulling up in front of a house. Like, wait a second, they don't belong here. No, we can't just like, you got to stay in your bubble. You know, it was all about that. So people were pretty vigilant overall in what I felt anyway. <laughs> Wow. So were people really encouraged by the government to like snitch on your neighbor? Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, see, that's the thing there. New Zealanders are chill and relaxed, but they're all pretty, pretty straightforward. They're like less of a bullshit kind of society I found. So they're like, the government's like, yep. You know, we, we are, um, also sort of relying on neighbors, you know, keeping an eye out do what's neighborly kind of thing, you know? You have to keep an eye out. It's just for the better good of everybody. And we totally did that. And it, it held everybody else accountable. How are, they, how are they tracing you now? How are they seeing where you're going? So, yeah, so now it's, um, it's just you have to take a little bit more time before you enter an establishment. Um, so you just fill out uh, your name, 
phone number email address right at the front door uh, and the time you entered the store um, or the cafe or the restaurant. So you do that for the smaller establishments. Um, but we also recently got an app. The government created an app. It's like a COVID tracing app where you could just scan the barcode of the place instead of filling out your details, which I think is better. But that it, we're just still working out a few bugs, right? Um, so that's for small places, like small businesses. The big grocery stores still don't obviously have that. They just have a security guy at the front door making sure there's not too many people going in at once. But that's it, basically. Um, so you can go eat anywhere, but it's just a bit more longer, bit longer wait. That is the only downside. Um, yeah, it's voluntary. Um, I think people are still going to have to, um, like businesses are still going to have to make available the form in case somebody doesn't want to download the app or doesn't want to like, doesn't have a proper phone for it or whatever, right? I guess they have to account for that small amount of people that have to fill it out by hand. But I think most people will just download the app um, because it's easier because you have to. The thing is, you have to fill out this paper anyways when you get to the establishment. So I think for just for speed, I'd rather get the app than have to write everything down every time. So I think most people will just get the app anyway. Yeah, there's some suggestion that they're going to do that here too, require people to sign in if they go to a restaurant. Uh, how do you feel about doing that? What was your first feelings when you know you were asked what's what's your name and information when you go in somewhere? No, oh, it's it's fine for me. I don't care. But I think um, what I would notice on I'm a bit of a stickler about this thing. Like I take it pretty seriously, right? I know some people don't as much, but I do. So, um, you would notice on the form, you know, the people like uh, some people were not filling it out properly. Where I think the app would come in handy because it is connected to your phone where you fill out your details um some people would not even fill out their email or phone number just their name and and then time and they entered and, and that form wasn't always checked properly either and i guess or it was too late you know so some people weren't like fully taking the form seriously they're just like scribbling something that you can't even read down but other than that it's fine i mean you just kind of fill in your details hand sanitize and then go inside and that's fine and so what about the economy do were people given some help when this was happening i haven't i think i've only noticed one establishment on the main street here that i live next to which is kind of imagine like a 17th ave in calgary it's kind of what the street is like um there's only one establishment that i've noticed that's closed their doors i think probably due to covid Everything else is eager to be open again, eager to absorb as many customers as possible because these businesses need it, right? Uh, but they're not closed, so they're so and people are just eager to get out and eat out and shop and whatever they really are. So it is kind of like a spike in that activity, especially since last night. Um, but I find that the government um, was bailing out businesses quite a bit is what was happening so that businesses can then keep staff on uh, because they needed that they needed the staff when everything was going to return back to normal that was the mentality so it would it would suck more to have to rehire everybody because you've had to fire them 
and then you can't reboot like jumpstart your business right away when the restrictions are lifted. So alternatively, the government bailed out anybody that reported um, a less a less a thirty percent or more drop in revenue due to COVID, which was pretty much everybody. So they bailed out tons of small businesses, including like ours, and ours is not that small. Like we got some grant money as well, just to keep people's salary topped up, you know, which was quite nice. So that in that sense, the government totally jumped in. I don't think they had anything kind of like the curb where, where people get the extra money on top of unemployment, for example. They just got unemployment. Um, so I think overall people were happy with, with businesses being bailed out so that they still have a job to go to when this is all done. Things have obviously changed. Life has obviously changed. And there it seems like things are, you know, step by step going back to normal or the new normal. What do you think is going to change after this? What do you think, what changes do you think are going to stick? And what do you hope comes out of this? Mainly what I could probably directly speak about is kind of what's going on in New Zealand. Um, So I actually hope hope that people even like establishments are a little bit more vigilant about you know maybe cleanliness things like that because everything is so clean right now everybody is so worried about disinfecting everything which is really cool to see actually businesses are especially like food serving ones they're so clean it's great so it'd be great to continue that maybe keep that level going because that's going to reduce like all kinds of issues in the future i think why not? Cleanliness is great for food establishments. Um, so that's one thing that can keep going. Maybe people in big like big events, big crowds can be a little bit more vigilant. I don't know how that's going to stick though. Because the minute you introduce alcohol into a situation, which is why I'm worried about clubs, all of that social distancing disappears, doesn't it? So I think that that would be an issue that it's just going to go back to normal in those sort of scenarios, which sucks. Um, And I think globally, the biggest thing that we've seen, just like on TV and on the news, is how sort of the planet's benefited from all of this. And it would be a shame to go back to normal um, in a way, because, because it would sort of mean that all of this was not for nothing, but, you know what I mean? Like, it'd be nice to kind of get some businesses, like some factories, maybe changing the way they do things just to like reduce pollution and things like that. Cause that's been a big, like noticeable change that people have literally seen in a month, which is insane. You can stop polluting the air for a month. You can all let's, you know, see the Himalayas or something like that. It's crazy. And so I know you've been refraining from going out and indulging, but is there anything that you're really looking forward to doing? So yesterday I was on my way to get a haircut. I know, I know, I know. So <laughs> I was, I'm just, I've been looking forward to it so much, the haircut. And I'm like, okay, I walked to the place and everything is super busy in terms of like wait times. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go to this one place that I know is pretty like, they have a lot of staff usually. I know that there's going to be less now, but still it's a big place. So they're usually going to have a spot. So I get there and it's like packed. I mean, there's a lineup outside the door and you have to wait an hour outside at two meters apart from the other person. I'm like, I'm not doing it. So I turned back and went home. 
I'm gonna try again today. I won't lie. I really want that haircut. <laughs> it's gonna. I think. It, I, feel, I feel like today before noon, it's gonna happen. Cause yesterday I went like in the afternoon with people are getting home from work, so. <laughs> I've been doing my own home COVID, uh, home COVID haircuts. Um, I was inspired by a friend to do this, and I have to say, she's a lot better at cutting her hair than I am at cutting mine. And so now I have to walk in with a look of shame and be like, "Please fix my hair. It's really bad. It's really bad. Like the back, the front is fine." But the back is completely butchered, so um, yeah, I need to fix it. <laughs> That's Alex Barraro in New Zealand. What's It Like is produced and written in Calgary, Alberta, Canada by me, Tahara Faruzan. The music you're listening to is Massive Attack by Poddington Bear. Visit soundofpicture.com for more. Thanks for listening. Stay well. <laughs> <laughs>